You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more about this show and my other show, Enthusiasts, plus to get the latest interviews, K-pop news, album reviews, and so much more, subscribe to the show's free newsletter at 17karatkpop.substack.com. Enjoy the show! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-pop. Today there are just so many stories that have accumulated in my revisit later file, so we're just going to talk about a ton of stories. It might sound a bit disjointed, but it'll stay interesting for sure. This unpredictable roller coaster of music world, concert world, news to get to. Interesting stories from the music world the past few months. So here are a bunch of news stories you may have missed out on and now can be glad you are up to speed. If there's a topic, music-related, even just tangentially, that you ever want me to cover on Stay Tuned, feel free to message me on socials. Listener submissions always welcome. Let's dive in. Spotify revealed many changes to the platform, including that now this show is not brought to you by Anchor. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. And so they have announced a slate of new tools so that creators like me can connect with you all more. One of those is, for example, the question box that now appears in the episode, below the episode description. I do want to keep that bias in mind because I want to disclose that, be transparent. Recaps of anything Spotify-related may not be as critical as they could be, so just keep that in mind. They did announce a lot of exciting things, and overall what was interesting to me was not so much a specific thing they announced, but that they did announce so many big things at their latest showcase. Truly, this is the biggest makeover Spotify has underwent since pretty much its inception. Huge rebrand. TikTok continues to be taking over the music world and so many other creative worlds. The latest number is 150 million users just in the U.S., which is like around a third of the population in the U.S. That's huge. So TikTok's where it's at, and because of that, Spotify is clearly trying to get in on the TikTokification of everything these days, with vertical video focus, more visuals, changing up the medium to be more, yeah, TikTokified. They also have more plans for in-app usage when it comes to buying tickets, merch, all that right in the app. Watching previews, using their AI DJ, we'll talk more about that later, countdown clocks, stuff like that. What I found one of the more eyebrow-raising comments was that they claim the 50,000th highest earner on Spotify. So if you're an artist, you're in 50,000th place for highest earnings that you can still earn over 50k a year across all revenue sources with Spotify's help. Would love to see more of the math behind that, but that's what they claim. It's interesting that they also said, quote, Our goal is not to steal time. Stealing time seems like a possible swipe at TikTok. No swipe pun intended, but maybe the TikTok stealing time, time pun was intended. Anyway, they know what they're doing. They're also now working to diversify where they get money, teaming up with Patreon. They also have a new partnership with NPR. And apparently ad participation in Spotify has risen 500% just in the past two years. Throughout the presentation, the repetition of how much they brought up new brand partnerships and advertising potential was very notable, very frequent. Talking about ways they want to engage with brands in the future, all that flowery language basically about, yeah, we're going to become more profitable. Quote, our research has also shown that 93% of the brain's engagement with the content on Spotify is transferred directly into ad engagement, unquote. Again, I want to see some math, but okay. 
They also championed their originals and exclusives. They will host the season two slate of episodes of Forbidden Fruits. They are also going to host the new Riddler Secrets in the Dark series. And they really just overtly said they hoped to become the biggest audio network in the world. Meanwhile, Vinyl Records outsold CDs for 2022 for the first year since 1987. What's old is new again. About 41 million vinyls were sold last year compared to 33 million CDs, which is a big gap. But everything is cyclical. I'm sure now people will advertise physical DVDs again and act like it's a brand new invention. Aren't you tired of streaming and not having a physical copy of something and then eventually it'll go back to, aren't you tired of lugging around a physical copy? Don't you want to just stream something? This stuff just, it's cyclical. So get ready for this renaissance of physical albums, a return to promoting streaming and the life cycle goes on. Let's move on now, talk a bit about live shows. We will talk more about streaming in a bit. Live Nation now claims to be on the side of the people, publishing to their site a detailed outline of reasons to support the Fair Ticket Act, which is basically a proposal for how to make the ticketing world more fair and not prone to bots and manipulation. In response to all the critics who have come for Ticketmaster and its monopolization of the ticket market, which I broke down in past episodes, So Live Nation's site, in all caps, says direct quotes like make it illegal to sell speculative tickets, mandate all in pricing nationally, resale is running away with the loot and the law, artists create their music and their concerts, it's only fair that they should decide ticketing rules too, they criticize the states who they see as protecting the interests of scammers and those getting away with reselling tickets. It's a lot of we're all trying to find the guy who did this talk that I frankly don't see going anywhere. Live Nation's proposal has been co-signed as of recording time by over 20 big companies, Universal Music Group, William Morris Endeavors, a huge PR place, etc. The CFO and president of Live Nation, Joe Birch told, revealed that Live Nation is indeed under DOJ investigation right now. It was first reported about being considered to be ongoing by the New York Times last November, but he said, yeah, we can confirm it. He argued that actually Live Nation has expanded the marketplace. His word choice expanded the marketplace by increasing the amount of live shows, period, that they offer. That's like saying we've helped our competition by just increasing the quantity available to us. So... He also defended the variable pricing when it's kind of on a sliding scale, what you pay based on demand. Meanwhile, people like Robert Smith of The Cure, who have overtly critiqued Ticketmaster and Live Nation for processing fees and just exorbitant bonus fees added to your ticket price, apparently Ticketmaster retaliated. So Robert Smith was tweeting up a storm about this. He said they did a final say on ticket prices to make them as reasonable as it could be, but then Ticketmaster just added on bigger add-on fees at the end. So you could buy your ticket for the cure. Your receipt looked unsurprising, pretty reasonable, or just not surprising. Look further down below the ticket price, and suddenly there was a service fee, an order processing fee, and a facility charge, all apparently different things. Due to outcry and him flagging this issue, Ticketmaster did offer up partial refunds to the Cure Ticket buyers. The partial refund? $10 per ticket, as, quote, a gesture of goodwill, unquote. 
On the bright side, let's talk about good ideas for shows that actually have a chance of happening or are happening. There's some formats lately that artists are taking for their shows that really stand out to me that I hope more artists do in the future. One is the Jonas Brothers having a special Broadway five-night residency. Five nights, five eras. So each night, a different musical era. BTS should totally do the five days, five nights plan. Or seven days, seven nights. But, I mean, picture a show that's just the beautiful moments in life. A love yourself night. Maybe a night just for celebrating each member and their solo catalogs. I mean, an artist with a big discography should do this. It would also be cool, like a big NCT show, like every night of the week, maybe after NCT Tokyo is a thing, a new NCT subunit performs, then the big Saturday night show would be every subunit together. Another thing that K-pop should definitely get on board with, The Sphere. The Sphere is a new venue, officially opening in Vegas this fall. It was teased first during a Super Bowl ad, and is really being hyped up. Huge investment because it is truly a next level, never before tried, degree of immersive venue awesomeness. The Sphere was created for surround sound shows with 4D tech. So wind, temperature changes, special effects, the highest res LED screen in the world, a fully programmable exterior screen, 17,500 seats, although the place is changeable enough, you could recalibrate it to seat up to 20,000. Immersive layered sound with perfectly tuned audio for every seat in the house. And basically a galaxy effect. So the music could be all over the walls, the ceiling, whatever. It could be you're in a cocoon of that artist's discography. Visually and sonically, sounds like the coolest thing ever. And the legendary U2 will be the first act to get there. They will perform the debut shows there. And The Edge, member of U2, said in part in his statement, quote, It's a canvas of an unparalleled scale and image resolution in a once-in-a-generation opportunity. We all thought about it and decided we'd be mad not to accept the invitation, unquote. I mean, imagine K-pop videos, for any group really, filling surround sound screens. K-pop has what it takes to make that happen. Oh my gosh, imagine TXT's world, their Neverland around you, or BTS, or Red Velvet's adorable, happy, alternate reality you can escape into with their videos. That would also turn into a sinister reality with like the really bad boy place and bad boy. So those are two ideas for the future of K-pop shows I would love to see happen. Love to see a group that's really big like BTS do a big show at a state-of-the-art place like The Sphere, which which they might at the Soul Arena, dedicated to K-pop, that venue still being built though. And I would like to see the groups with a bigger discography try a five nights, five shows kind of thing. A different area each night. That seems really fair too, because sometimes it feels unfair if a specific era for the artist really personally resonates with you. And if you can't make it, no matter how hard you try, to their concert on the tour for that specific era, you're out of luck. But this would be like a redemption for you if you missed a tour for a very specific era that touched you. Now you could still see that old era bring back such good memories and come to life before your eyes. More fans deserve that. So yeah, residencies of a sort would also help cut down on travel costs for K-pop groups. Just a thought. Let me know what you think. Remember, if you listen to this on Spotify, you can answer directly in the comment box. 
Otherwise, message me on socials. Curious what you think of this stuff and what your ideas are. What kind of big scale, next level K-pop show format do you want to see happen? As K-pop gets bigger and bigger and bigger, what bigger group should have a big immersive experience bringing their catalog to life? Who's got what it takes? Let me know your picks. Speaking of live shows this year, artists at South by Southwest have been very frustrated with their pay. South by Southwest brings in an estimated revenue over $142 million. But the bands get paid about $250 each, soloists $100 each, which may sound pretty sweet, but hey, remember, musicians don't have like a 9-to-5 standard job. So musicians, they need to get paid more per gig than a worker per day would, because they don't work every day in a technical payment sense. So $100 for a gig? Ugh especially when they bring in so much money and could afford to pay more. Now, artists who are demanding fair pay are arguing for $750 each, which is quite bigger. But remember, attendance at South by Southwest, an attendance badge can be up to $800. So that's a sad cycle for some musicians because if they can't afford access, they can't do the networking that would help lead to promo that would give them more gigs to make more money. So now they have to shell out more money just to get access to what down the road could lead to more money. It's just a sad situation. Also, I should mention, you have to apply with a fee. Like, there's an application fee if you want to audition, basically, to be accepted in Perform at South by Southwest. So solo artists get $100 if they get in and perform. But the application fee is $55. Yikes. Related to financial woes for some musicians, artist burnout seems to be a bigger issue than ever, with young artists especially just already feeling too tired for this. It's really draining to be on tour. Santi Gold was set to go on tour and canceled after feeling just so unprepared mentally to do so. She made a really long Instagram post essay about why she canceled. So I won't read all of it, but there are some interesting parts I want to share with you. Quote, After sitting idle for the past couple years, many of us, earning no or little income, rushed back out immediately when it was deemed safe to do shows. We were met with the height of inflation, many of our tried-and-true venues unavailable due to a flooded market, and positive test results constantly halting schedules with devastating financial consequences. All of that on top of the already tapped mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional resources of just having made it through the past few years. Some of us are finding ourselves simply unable to make it work. I want to tell you that for me it has taken a toll through anxiety, insomnia, fatigue, vertigo, chronic pain, and missing crucial time with my children. I want you to understand that I am proud to be canceling this tour when it means that I am proclaiming that I, the person who writes the songs, is as important to me as these songs. I will not continue to sacrifice myself for an industry that has become unsustainable for and uninterested in the welfare of the artists it is built upon. Unquote. The band Garbage posted a similar sentiment to Instagram, saying, quote, Live music is under enormous strain. The average musician can no longer survive, let alone thrive, under the current circumstances. We are seeing so many precious talents buckle under the economic injustice of a system that does not pay the creative for their artistic output. Everyone is vying for a handful of venues in order to make a small amount of money to tide them over until the next show. Most sailing without a dollar of insurance. A large percentage of musicians that you know and love are likely living hand-to-mouth. 
This cannot stand. We will lose a whole generation of young artists if it does. So many of the artists that we revere and hold dear throughout history would have been utterly destroyed by the system entirely. That strikes me as a great sorrow for our culture as a whole, unquote. Some ideas to lift the financial burden on some acts, at least a bit, have been proposed recently, like Jack Antonoff, who tweeted about how artist merch is taxed and should not be. He says, quote, This is literally the only way you make money when you start out touring. The more we make it tenable for young and small artists to make a living, the more great music we will get. Stop taxing merch. Stop lying to artists about costs of putting on shows. Include artists in more areas of revenue. The stories I could tell from my years touring are bananas. Young artists on tour are the last to see any money, unquote. I don't have a take or anything. I just wanted to highlight this trend of artist burnout being talked about because it will surely stay an issue. The transformation to a streaming world, we still have not fully grappled with and figured out how to handle and make feasible long-term. It's still such a in-its-infancy concept for the world, period. So we gotta figure out a new way to divvy up money in the streaming world and in a more saturated live music world than it used to be. Speaking of the streaming world, Spotify had some interesting revelations when their quarter four financial report came out for the end of last year. And we found out they added 33 million new users and reached 489 million monthly active users. Plus annual revenue rose 21%. It was their largest ever quarter four growth, far surpassing expectations. They added 10 million new paying subscribers in quarterly ad revenue specifically, rose 14%. However, there were some issues, including the fact that their quarterly loss also rose quite a bit. So they earned more money, but they also spent more investing, buying subsidiaries, getting into new fields like podcasting, more than ever, I mean. They also claim their expense growth outpaced revenue by two times. So they spent twice as much as they made, which would mean that they're not yet profitable, but they hope to be by the end of 2023, maybe. They have been pretty vague about when they'll turn a profit, but just indicated they will stop acquiring so much, buying so much, waiting for a long-term return on investment. So this year is more about just sustaining momentum, not buying up more stuff. One way they can now save money is by not hiring a person to be their DJ, basically. They launched a new tool, X, the name of an AI DJ, with a human voice, but someone who already works for them in a different capacity instead of hiring someone new. The voice of Xavier Jernigan from The Get Up, a morning show, now voices their AI, but they will tool it over time, retool it based on feedback. OpenAI used, quote, in the hands of our music editors to provide you with insightful facts, our editors are able to scale their innate knowledge in ways never before possible, unquote. I frankly do not like this at all. I have been very more optimistic than many about AI trends, a digified world, than others in certain ways, because as I've talked about before on the show many times, my big senior project was about virtual stars, the world of virtual influencers, virtual celebs. So I have a different view than most about potential upsides of this new AI world we're entering. But... An AI DJ, I kind of have an issue with. I just don't care for it. And maybe it's just new and unfamiliar and it'll grow on me as an idea, but 
it just doesn't excite me the way that I think DJing is meant to be about the live energy, like a live person rocking out. Maybe they should have done a station head type thing where a person is your personal DJ for a while, or you could have kind of a Venmo type option. Like Spotify users could pay DJs directly through the app to host a party virtually or something. I don't know, just an idea. There are ways to utilize tech to help DJs thrive, not just give your employee another job. One employee and I don't know, there's certain things about the live music world that I'm very open to adapting to a tech world, but there are parts that I feel like need to keep a certain magic about them that comes with the energy of a human being. Let's talk about a story I frankly kind of love. It's kind of a great morbid sense of humor on display. A woman's funeral fulfilled her wish to involve a flash mob. A woman in Bristol, England, Sandy Wood, was quite unconventional, and so in death, she also wanted to be surprising people. So she made sure that people knew her request for the funeral, and they did execute on all of them. No execution pun intended, oh my gosh. Anyway, she wanted a flash mob to perform Another One Bites the Dust at her funeral. And they did. Not only that, she also requested they leave the venue via conga line, which they did. She also requested a horse-drawn hearse and a coffin lined with sparkly shoes, handbags, and the words, going out in style. After the ceremony began, she wanted to arrive fashionably late, as she had in life, and she did. Then some of the mourners took off their disguises, and the flash mob too. Another one bites the dust began, shocking the attendees who had no idea what was going on, and at first were very taken aback and embarrassed. And like, oh my gosh, what's happening? This is disrespectful. Apparently though, by the time the conga line was in process, they had kind of warmed up to it and enjoyed the fun. The flash mobbers were called the Flaming Feathers, and they were the 11th group on the list of who to pick. 10 other groups had passed on it. It just felt like too morbid and not funny and uncomfortable. But the Flaming Feathers were like, yeah, we'll do it. And so 10 of them made the scene. This did take place back in 2021, but it's an interesting miscellaneous news stories episode. So I wanted to bring it up here. It's really something. I honestly wouldn't mind that kind of thing. At my future funeral, I want people to have some fun. I do want it to be a little brighter than it usually is in the U.S. So somber. I want people to focus on telling happy memories, laughing, recalling good times. That's just me. Maybe some people are like, no way. That's wrong. Keep it very serious. But I want to know people are left smiling and reflecting happily and maybe dancing to Queen. Here's a story that sounds funny at first but gets really dark. You may have heard of the baby shark torture case in which four inmates sued after two jail officers made them listen to baby shark on a loop for hours at a time as a form of torture. And so they sued claiming, yeah, it meets the legal definition of torture. They had to listen for it on a loop with their hands cuffed to the wall behind them. They also sued the former lieutenant for not doing anything to stop this. That lieutenant has since retired. The officers were charged with misdemeanors for both cruelty to a prisoner and conspiracy. And they were eventually fired, interestingly, on a technicality. Not because of what they did, more so where they did it. They technically did violate rules and therefore could be fired because they did this torture in the visitation area. So they were hogging the visitation room for hours of baby shark. And that's what really did them in. 
One of the inmates, who was a plaintiff in this case, died in jail. John Basco, 48, died in Oklahoma, in jail, while still a plaintiff in this ongoing suit. At 3.50 a.m., he was found unresponsive, and attempts to resuscitate him were unsuccessful. The director of communication for the jail, so the crisis rep for the jail, so grain of salt here, says an overdose is possible. Notably, he's actually the 14th person to die in that specific jail that year. 14 people dead in a year in that jail. His attorney said, quote, One of the baby shark victims is conveniently dead within three days of his arrival. How does that happen? The district attorney lost one of his witnesses for the upcoming criminal trial. For me, this one does not pass the smell test, unquote. I will keep you posted on the lawsuit and any foul play that is confirmed or debunked. Really interesting, tragic turn of events. Let's get to better news. A study showed that a specific piano chord played could help reduce chronic nightmares. So what they did is they found out a certain piano chord can help those with an official nightmare disorder have fewer nightmares and better dreams too. Not just less bad ones, but more good ones too. The specific chord, if you're curious, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this probably wrong. I'm not an instrument player, so I apologize. It's C69, C major with major 6th, the note A, and major ninth, the note D added. So C major, add A and D, 6th and ninth. This became associated with better sleep, but it is important to remember not everyone is susceptible to this therapy of sorts, this image reversal therapy gone musical, the musical tilt of it, not necessarily effective in all, but certain people could really benefit. So this is a hopeful glimmer into future research to help people sleep better. I will also clarify, this was a small sample size of 36 volunteers, so it's always important to note those limitations on the applicability of the conclusion. But I still think it's worth knowing about, and it's a great reminder of music being so powerful in every aspect of life, even subconscious ones. Another fun study linked bats to death metal singers. The University of Southern Denmark found out that bats use the same vocal structures that death metal singers do, the same vocal techniques. Bats are very famous for echolocation, a seven-octave range. Most mammals, including humans, have a three- to four-octave range. Bats have seven. Researchers studied the larynxes of euthanized bats and found that the false vocal cords, as they're nicknamed, the ventricular folds, were being used by bats. Those folds are thought to not have any purpose in the human body, but they are proven to be the ones used when singing certain heavy metal. Certain kinds of growling trigger the use of the false vocal cords, and so do certain kinds of throat singing. I always like to acknowledge the caveats too, and one big limitation on this research is that they focused on one type of bat. So this conclusion may not apply to all species equally, and there are apparently over 1,400 known bat species in the world. Just known. Imagine how many are really out there. Last story is a feel-good reminder. We can all be stars. I've recently learned there is a very cool organization called the Really Terrible Orchestra, the RTO. Participants probably say, I play for a group called RTO without specifying. I love this. This group is specifically for people who are rusty. 
or just not experienced, who really want to play like they're part of a big professional orchestra, but are years behind that goal. They haven't picked up an instrument in decades, they're musically challenged, but they still want to have fun rocking out with their peers. So this amateur, on purpose in a way, orchestra does have shows. This actually started in Edinburgh, Scotland in 95, but it came to the U.S. thanks to Colleen Schoeneveld and became known in North Carolina and Pennsylvania. The group has around 75 members who range from beginners for sure to actually technically professionals. They've learned what they need to learn to play fluently. Their shows are slightly over an hour long, which may seem like a lot to hear amateurs without getting sick of it, but they try to just not take it seriously, just keep the laughs and fun going, share fun facts about the songs they play, talk to the crowd a lot, just have a good time. I love this community building thing. More terrible orchestras, please. That's all for me today. You're always welcome on socials to message me. If you have a great random story about the world of music you want me to cover on Stay Tuned, always down for your random suggestions. I hope you like this random roundup. Thank you all for tuning in, and I will talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everybody!